Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, good morning and welcome to The Grove. We are so glad that you are tuning in with us today, wherever you find yourself. Whether you are playing hide-and-go-seek in the house, trying to get a little bit of time and quiet to yourself, or maybe you have taken us out on the road and you're jogging or walking this morning, or maybe you're just gathered together as a family. That's great. Wherever you find yourself this morning, we are so glad that we are all able to come together and be with each other virtually. Now, My name is Stephen Lohoffer, and I am one of the pastors here at the church, and if you're joining us for the first time, I just want to take a moment and welcome you. We are so glad that you are tuning in right now, and we hope that the next few moments and minutes of your time will be meaningful and enriching to you and your life. But I just wanted to take time in our service just to say hi and thank you for being with us this morning. Now, we are in week three of a sermon series on the book of Exodus. Exodus is the second book in 66 books in a larger book that we call the Bible. And we have been walking through the book of Exodus because I believe that the story of Exodus so closely mirrors the story of our lives that in it we can find guidance for how we should live today. Even in midst of all of the uncertainty and the turmoil that we find ourselves in, Exodus is the perfect story to accompany us as we walk through these uncertain times. Now, if you are like me, you've had a lot of extra time on your hands lately. And what I've been doing with some of my extra time is kind of indulging in some new hobbies that I've picked up along the way. But I've also kind of been doubling back on some of my favorite movies. I haven't done the Netflix binge. Maybe you've done that. If you've kind of kind of watched everything that Netflix has to offer, maybe raise your hand in the comments of the Facebook. We can't do that in person. You can't self-identify, but let everybody else know this is a time of confession for you. Just let everybody else know that you've kind of done a deep dive into all that Facebook or Amazon has to offer. But for me, what I've kind of enjoyed doing is going back and watching like some of the classics, some of the movies that I've loved and have enjoyed over the course of my lifetime and kind of diving back into some of those stories. What I've done recently is I started to rewatch the Rocky series, you know, the great Sylvester Stallone classics, these boxing movies. Uh, and what I love about these stories is there's so much, uh, there's so much excitement. You know, you know, having seen them before, I know what's going to happen. But when you watch movies like this for the first time, there's always something new around the corner. There's always some new conflict. There's always some new twist and some new turn. And these are the type of movies that I love the most, the ones that are unpredictable, the ones that you never know exactly how it's going to turn out, the ones where you're not sure if the good guy is going to defeat the bad guy or who the bad guy really is, and you have to wait until the very end of the movie to figure out, oh, it was him this whole time. I love those movies. I love the uncertainty. I love the unknowing. I love the unpredictability. And I think that's what actually makes really good stories. You see, what makes really good stories is the presence of conflict, is the presence of adversity. If in the very opening scenes of Rocky, if he defeats Apollo Creed in the first 10 minutes, there's nowhere else for the movie to go. It's kind of a boring movie because there's no struggle, there's no triumph, there's no uncertainty, there's kind of no risk involved in the storyline. And so it makes for a really boring story when there's no conflict, when there's no unpredictability. And so I love movies with as much unpredictability as possible. 
The problem is what I love in movies, I hate in my own life. Maybe this is true for you. That the more unpredictability, the more uncertainty, the more adversity and conflict and difficulty that I experience in my own life, the less I enjoy. So I want to watch a movie filled with this stuff, but I do not want to live a life where I'm constantly unsure whether or not I'm going to make it out of this current situation or not knowing what's going to happen to me in the future. And so for the last several weeks, it's really been a struggle for me. I like to know how things are going to turn out. I like to be able to develop a plan. I like to be able to put the plan in motion. And I like to be able to operate according to the plan. And right now, we, we just can't plan. There's no way to foresee how this is all going to play out. There's all sorts of projections about, oh, just in a couple of weeks, everything will turn to normal. Or, oh, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to go back to normal. And then we're going to have to rein it all back in. And we're going to be in this place, you know, for an even longer period of time. And all of the different opinions in between. We find ourselves in this place of incredible unknowing. And for me, this has been hard because what I love in movies, I dislike and loathe in my own life. And so the story that we're going to look at and walk through together today is kind of the very first kind of verses that foretell and tell the story of Moses. Now, Moses is the main character in the story of Exodus, and thus far we have managed to preach two weeks on this series and not mention Moses. Well, now Moses enters the story, and what we're going to see in Moses' life so closely mirrors our own life. You see, Moses' life was not a life of success. It wasn't a life of, you know, you know a silver spoon. Everything didn't just go according to Moses' plan or the way that Moses' mother dreamed it out for him. Moses' life wasn't always up and to the right. It's filled with twists and turns and setbacks and conflict and adversity and challenges and periods of unknowing what's going to happen or how the story's going to turn out. And so in these ways, Moses' story is identical to our story right now. My guess is no matter where you are, you're finding yourself in some place of unknowing, some place where you're not able to see how the story's going to pan out whether it's just kind of with the global, on a global scale with this COVID crisis, or maybe it's with your industry. Maybe it's with your particular job. Maybe you're searching for a job right now. You've recently been laid off and you're desperate to find a new job and you're wondering, will you ever be able to find one? Or maybe you're in a period where, you know, you're navigating kind of the end of a relationship and things have started to get, kind of go from bad to worse and you're navigating and unsure how you're going to make it kind of through this season and this period of time. And there's all of this uncertainty. There's all of this adversity that we're experiencing. And so what we're going to see in Moses' story is so closely mirrored to our own. And in fact, Moses comes up against and experiences three different types of kind of uncertainty and adversity in kind of the passages that we're going to look through this morning. The first is Moses experiences a denial. The second is Moses experiences a detour. And the third, Moses experiences a delay. And I think for us, we go through these exact same things, denials, detours, and delays in our own life. Denials are these periods where we've been rejected, where we've kind of been voted off the island, where things haven't gone the way that we wanted to. There's some kind of personal setback. We've heard the word no in some shape or form. Maybe it's with a relationship. Maybe the relationship has been ended because they no longer wanted to be in a relationship with you. There's been some rejection and some denial. Or maybe it's been professional with your career. Maybe you've got a, got a demotion or maybe you've lost your job. 
Or maybe for you, the denial was you just got overlooked and you've kind of been trying your best to get people to notice how much value you add to the organization or you've tried to get people to notice how much you care about them or how, how good of you know, a friend you are and they just fail to recognize you. And so you sit there frustrated and you feel rejected and you feel a little frustrated because you just are running up against this kind of this brick wall again and again and again. And so you've kind of come through this period of denial. Or maybe for you, similar to Moses, you've had a detour recently. We all have had a major detour in our lives right now with the way that life has suddenly shifted and changed related to this COVID crisis. So you were looking forward to graduation, whether it was a sixth grade or an eighth grade or 12th grade graduation or even a college graduation, and now that's no longer going to happen. Maybe you were excited about a vacation together with your family or with some friends, and that got wiped off the books too. Maybe you had all of these plans for what life was going to look like this spring and heading into this summer, and all of that is now gone. In some shape or form, we have all kind of been navigating this detour, this way that life has gone off course and off track from what we expected it it to be. Or maybe you've just experienced some type of delay, this period of waiting and wondering and wishing and hoping that something will happen for you. Maybe you've sent out all of these prayers and they seem to go unanswered. Maybe you've kind of been struggling with a health prognosis or some medical report and you're asking for a miracle, you're asking for healing and you pray to God and you don't hear anything. So you just feel like you're in this long delay where nothing is happening and there's no progress and you're just spinning your wheels wondering if anything's ever gonna change. Is it always gonna be this way? Are we gonna stay in this place forever? It's kind of like the kids in the backseat of the car on the road trip. It's like, are we there yet? And you keep asking and wondering, like, God, how much longer am I going to have to stay in this place? God, I could really use a job right about now. When are you going to help me find a job? God, it's been 14 months since I've had a job. When's something going to give, God? Or God, I'm tired of bumping up against failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship. I want one that's going to last. I want one that's going to stick, God. I'm hoping that you send me the right person and I've been waiting for a long time, God. How much longer are we gonna have to wait? We're all experienced denials and detours and delays. And so I think for us today, no matter where you find yourself, no matter which one of those or all of those that you're experiencing, I think Moses' story is the perfect story for us. So, I hope that you'll grab your Bibles and read along with me. We're going to be in the second chapter of Exodus. Now, we're going to skip the first couple of verses. And those first couple of verses kind of tell the story of Moses' birth. Now, if you're not a, kind of familiar with the story of Moses' birth, uh, I'm a little surprised. This is kind of the story of the baby in the basket floating down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter finds the basket and raises Moses in Pharaoh's household. So, Take a moment after this is over and go watch Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments or just do a quick Wikipedia scan and you can get caught up in the story. So we're not going to spend a lot of time in the details of Moses as a baby. But we're going to jump right in to Moses as an adult because I think this is the part of the story that is far uh, more relatable and has far more to share to us today. So we're going to be in the second chapter of Exodus, in chapter 11. Now it says, one day, 
when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. Now we have to remember that Moses was born a Hebrew. He was born to Hebrew parents. And then because of the edict that the Pharaoh issued that we talked about last week, where all the baby boys had to be thrown into the river, Moses' mother, in an attempt to save Moses' life, places him in the basket that floats down the river, the Pharaoh's daughter finds, and then Moses is raised in Pharaoh's palace. So Moses is a Hebrew, born in an Egyptian palace. And so one day when Moses had grown up, later the scriptures will say that Moses was probably about 40 years old at this point, he goes out to his people, the Hebrew people, and he looks upon them and their burdens because they are currently in slavery in Egypt. They're working as slaves, building these cities and these buildings and these pyramids. And when he does this, Moses sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. He sees the Egyptian beating one of his own people, it says. And so he, the scripture says he looked this way and that. Moses is looking around. Moses, he's developed a plan. He knows what he's gonna do in response to what he sees. And seeing no one, the coast is clear. Moses strikes down the Egyptian and he hid him in the sand. So Moses takes this guy out. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. He looks around, makes sure nobody's watching. This is kind of like something that you'd see out of the Sopranos. He whacks the dude and then he buries his body in the sand. And so if you're reading along with us today, and you're like, wow, I didn't realize that the Bible had such action and such adventure in it. Pick up your Bible more. There's a lot of good stuff in here. It's just as good as anything on TV. So Moses strikes down the Egyptian. He hides him in the sand. And then the next day passes. Verse 13, it says, When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. They were in some type of quarrel, some type of argument. It probably turned physical. And he said to the man in the wrong. Clearly one of them was in the wrong, and it was... uh, It was easily discernible by Moses. And so he says to the one in the wrong, he says, why do you strike your companion? And the man answers. And you can imagine the way that he says this is kind of with a sneer or a snarl. He says, well, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And so kind of the irony of this statement by this Hebrew is eventually Moses does become kind of the prince and the judge over all of the Hebrew people, all of, over all of Israel. And so there's a little bit of play that the author's doing there. But Moses kind of confronts the man who's in the wrong, and the man looks back at him, and he's like, who made you boss over any of us? You're no better than we are. You killed the Egyptian. Are you going to do the same thing to me? And in that moment, Moses experiences this complete rejection. He was trying to help. He was trying to do something good. He was trying to kind of restore things for his people. He even kind of ended up killing an Egyptian. And so when he's encountering these two men and he's trying to help, he experiences this rejection, this denial, this kind of way of saying, you know what? We don't want you. You're not good enough for us. Why don't you just go away and leave us alone? And because he says this, because the man realizes or identifies that Moses had killed the Egyptian, Moses becomes afraid. And he thinks, he says, surely this thing is known. Surely everybody knows about what I did. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. So first, this Hebrew man who Moses calls out rejects Moses. He denies Moses and calls him out on the evil that he's done. 
Moses begins to become afraid that maybe other people know. And sure enough, word reaches Pharaoh. And Pharaoh decides that he's going to seek out Moses and he's going to kill him. So because of this, Moses flees from Pharaoh all the way to the land of Midian. Now, the land of Midian is some estimates about 350 miles away. Not that far on a plane ride, not that far on a car trip, but if you're walking through the middle of the desert, which is where this is, this is a long way. This would have taken Moses likely weeks to make it all the way to Midian. And so all of a sudden, Moses, born in Pharaoh's household, is now on the run, and he's gone way off course, way from where he thought he was, way, way, way away from where he thought he would end up. I mean, you can imagine growing up in Pharaoh's household, he was educated. He had access to the best of everything, and now he finds himself in the middle of Midian, which is a lot like Midland in the way that it's in the middle of nowhere, and it's just kind of a lot of agricultural and maybe some oil and gas. And, and so Moses flees from Egypt, runs all the way to Midian, and there he sits down by a well. So Moses' story has taken this immediate detour from where it was going. I mean, you can imagine it. We don't know, but you could imagine that Moses is being groomed to take over kind of rule over all of Egypt. You can imagine that Moses is being educated, versed in kind of diplomacy and statesmanship and kind of geopolitical maneuvers. Moses is being groomed to kind of run the show. And then in a moment, everything changes. Everything takes a hard left turn and Moses finds himself on a detour all the way out in Midian. And once Moses finds himself in Midian, it says that there was a priest of Midian who had seven daughters and they were coming to draw water and fill their troughs for their father's flock. But then some shepherds came and drove them away and then Moses jumps in and saves them. Moses has this proclivity and propensity to kind of step in and help people out. We'll see this a little bit later in the story. And when these women came home to their father, he said, how is it that you've come home so soon today? You're not normally back this soon. What's happening? And they said, an Egyptian. He saved us. He delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds. And he even drew water for us and watered the flock. And then the man questions his daughters. And he's like, well, where is this man? Bring him in. Let's kind of have a, kind of a party for him. Let's feed him. Let's take care of him. And in bringing Moses into their home, Moses is eventually kind of introduced to the family and introduced to one of the daughters, and it says that they get married. And then eventually it kind of fast forward and says this woman gives birth to a son. And then at the very end of this passage, it says, and then after a long time, dot, dot, dot. And then it goes on to talk about God hearing the cry of the Israelites. But this after a long time is the beginning of God calling Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. After a long time, ends up being 40 years. So Moses, in just a period of 10 verses, experiences denial. He's rejected by his own people. He's kind of sent to be an outcast, go away from us. We don't want anything to do with you. You're no better than we are. We don't need your help. We don't want your help. Who's made you a prince or a judge over us? And he experiences this very personal rejection. And then, because of what he did, he has to flee. He has to go hundreds of miles away into the middle of a desert. 
And there he starts to take up residence with this family and build a family of his own. And he becomes a shepherd. And he wanders around the desert taking care of sheep for 40 years. Now, it happens in the span of five words in Scripture. But can you imagine if you're Moses in that moment? How how quickly you went from one place to the next? How different your life looks like than what you thought your life was going to look like? Moses is kind of shepherding these sheep and he's wandering around the wilderness and he does so for 40 years. Man, I can just imagine the prayers that he would pray. Like, God, I don't know what happened. God, this doesn't look like what I thought this was going to look like. God, I don't see how this story is ever going to get any better. God, will you show me something? Will you give me some kind of indication that this isn't going to last the rest of my life. See, what Moses doesn't realize is that good things develop in the dark. If back before we had digital film, back before we had digital photos, you actually had to take your photos to go get developed. And the way that they would do that is through a, a process of chemicals and soaking the pictures. And, but the way that you had to do it, you could only develop photos in the dark. Any exposure to light would ruin the film and the negatives that you were creating that you would then transpose on the photo paper. It takes time, but it also takes darkness for things to develop. Or take a seed. You plant the seed in the ground and it stays there in a place of darkness. But over time, it begins to open up, begins to sprout, it begins to develop. Or coal into a diamond through time and pressure and heat something ugly begins to turn into something beautiful. What Moses fails to recognize in his story thus far is that good things develop in the dark. And so these denials and these detours and these delays, this way that life looked different than he thought it would ever look, it wasn't the end of his story. It was just that something was developing. Because just in a few verses later, And we'll talk about this more next week. But in just a few verses, God calls Moses into the greatest mission yet endeavored in the story of humanity. God asks Moses to lead the people of Israel out of slavery and out of Egypt and into the promised land. This is the thing that God has been working on in the story of humanity this entire time. And God tasks Moses with doing this. The man who's been denied the man who's taken this unbelievable detour away from luxury and convenience. And he's been waiting. For 40 years he's been waiting. And so what I love about Moses' story that we've read thus far is this is our story. And, And so I don't know whether it's been a denial for you or a detour or delay, but you need to know this morning that good things develop in the dark. Maybe you're sitting there wondering if you're ever going to be able to put your life back together or if you're ever going to find love or if you're ever going to develop that type of a relationship with your child that you've been hoping for, if there's ever going to be any hope for healing, for a medical miracle in your life. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And so this period of unknowing this period, this inability for us to see what's going to be coming next doesn't mean that it's a prediction or an indicator of how the story goes. 
what it means is that sometimes things develop in the dark. Things develop where we can't see them. And so just because you can't see how the story plays out, just because you can't see the end of this period of your life, the end of this season, the end of how this will all shake out, doesn't mean that it's not going to end up good. I mean, that's the beauty of the story that we see in Moses' life. That there is still something coming that's good, even if we can't see it. Thousands of years later, a man named Paul writes a letter to a church. And in it, he's trying to help them understand what it means to live by faith. What it means to live by faith in the midst of adversity in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of not being able to see how your story is going to play out. And he says this, he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, here's the word, unseen. This is the story of the Christian faith. This is the story of the Christian life. We are constantly walking in darkness, unsure and uncertain, not able to know how our story is going to play out. Maybe it's been a denial or a rejection. Maybe it's kind of this period of longing and waiting and loneliness. Or maybe life has just taken a turn that you never expected. But faith, faith is holding on to the things that you're hoping for. Faith is holding on that there are good things down the road, even in the midst of the bad that you're experiencing right now. Whether it's loss or pain or suffering, faith is acknowledging that even though you can't see it, that you believe and you trust that God is doing a good thing in your life. And so my friends, that would be my prayer for us today, that we would be able to be a people of faith. We would be able to hold on to the things that we hope for. We would be able to hold on to the promise that good things develop in the dark. And just because we can't see how this story plays out, just because we can't see the ending to all of this and the resolution to all of this doesn't mean that it won't be good. And so I hope this gives you hope. I hope it gives you confidence. I hope it gives you courage to continue to persevere, to get up, and to put that foot forward and to take another step into another step into another step. We do not walk by faith, by sight. We walk by faith, even when we can't see. Let me pray for us. Gracious and loving God, we give you great thanks for this opportunity to gather here together this morning. This opportunity to be reminded that even when life takes unexpected turns, even in the midst of conflict and adversity and uncertainty, God, we know and we can trust that you were working. God, remind us again that good things develop in the dark, that we can place our faith and trust in you and that you are always at work in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.